Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. We are back for another feeder series episode and it's a busy one this time because we've got Formula 2, Formula 3 and W series to cover and not too annoyingly but also a little annoyingly they were all pretty damn entertaining this weekend so we're going to have to just get right on into it but before we do that I should probably introduce my two excellent co-hosts in Jesse Billington, Ellie Mae Taylor. How are you both? You know what? Not too bad. A little bit tired, but I am I'm hyped to talk about some F2. I caught a bit of the F3 over the weekend. I caught saw W series in person, I might add. But uh, I saw I watched all the F2 and god damn that was some good F2ing right there. And yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've got nothing Fair else enough. to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie May, short and sweet there. So we will just fire on in to what the hell has happened with Formula 2. I feel like we should do this in chunks of F2, F3 and W series that been lost and will never finish. First up, Yuri Vips got fired, but he's still rating at high tech. And Formula 2 aren't happy about it, but not so unhappy that they've actually done something about it. They've just said, grr, we'll watch out for that. And high-tech's reasoning is we want to give him a second chance and we think that him losing his Red Bull contract is punishment enough, which I can kind of understand. But at the same time, when you're at this level, it feels like if you get to a certain status, you can get away with anything. It does seem to smack of if you do naughty thing, but you're important enough or have big enough name, you can get away with it. And... It's odd that F2, while they have the overriding power to do so, I don't think they wanted to sort of step in and be sort of overbearing nanny. So I can appreciate why F2 themselves took the route they did, although they did issue a very good statement on the grounds of we have seen the release of high-tech with their regards to Yuri Vips. It's not the route we would have taken. I think it's something we mentioned when this first came out last weekend post-Canada. Um it's yeah i can appreciate the route f2 have taken i can appreciate to a degree the route that high tech have taken when they've said yeah the guy's future career has basically been scuppered uh red bull have cancelled their contract with him that seems like punishment enough but equally they have been very clear in sort of they released quite a long post about it uh, they said we believe everyone deserves a second chance this was admittedly stupid and abhorrent language that shouldn't be used we think he's learned. We I, feel, have, I feel like they were preempting a lot of the criticism they were going to get, and they were trying to just cover all of it as quickly as possible. And yeah. In one statement, be like, okay, now we can just move on, hopefully, and no one will remember this in the week. Yeah. But what they were key to point out was a case of if he does something like this again, we are not sticking up for him. And whatever happens from that point onwards, he's on his own, which I feel is basically a case of if he gets caught slipping uh, and F2 wants to step in high-tech ain't going to have his back, and I think that seems to be about the right way of doing things. And I th- last, last thing I will say on that is that the karma to all of that was that he did have a terrible weekend, and I, for one, did not lose any sleep over that. Yeah, I didn't lose any sleep over that either. He didn't really have a good time of it, and uh, yeah. What, what I did lose a little bit of sleep over was the fact that Paul Ralph Boschong was gone again. His neck pain from him was back. They didn't replace him. It doesn't look good. I mean, this is a bloke that he's been around for donkey's years because he just, I mean, to, to use a Monty Python quote, he doesn't know anyone. He doesn't know when he's beaten. He just kind of keeps going and it just plows on ahead. And I don't think he's ever going to get into F1, sadly, but I 
do love the, hunt, the underdog that he is, and it was a shame that he couldn't be there this weekend because it's of a reason like this. It's known because once you sort the funding out, you think, okay, great, and then something like this gets to you, and it's, it's a bit of a pisser. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a kicker for him, but I mean, if he can round out a decent F2 season, if he can properly recuperate, recover, get back in the seat and not have sort of back issues, neck issues, he's a decent driver. I've no doubt about that. And he could find his way into LMP, GT, IMSA, WEC, anything along those lines, IndyCar even. He's a good enough driver to probably sort of stand up for it. He, It's just unfortunate it's all come at the wrong time when things are starting to look his way. And yeah, sucks to be him really. And then Cordillo was replaced by Beckman, but Beckman didn't really have that great weekend either. But to be fair, he was jumping in fairly last minute and did all right under the circumstance, I guess. And I feel it was just worth mentioning him because he deserves to be mentioned. He did, a, he, he did the job and let's face it, he did it better than Cordillo probably would have done. So Yeah, this is true. I mean, Cordillo on a race ban, wasn't it, if I remember correctly? Yes, too many penalty points, which... Uh, He's, he's going for the to be a member of that exclusive club of Deleder and the man whose name I can never pronounce, but always think of the 32,000-point turn of Baku. Oh, uh, Mahaviragunathan. Yes, yes. Yes, he also... I always feel like I'm going to mispronounce that and get in a lot of trouble, so I just stuff, I just go to Jesse for that one. Yeah, I've enjoyed the Josh Revel video on that too many times, so I, I know how to pronounce his name uh, yeah, absolute goat, that guy. Um, obviously, also speaking of penalty points, we'll get to it in due course. Um, Roy Nassani picking up a few more penalty points, which I'm sure we'll get to when we get yes, to... Yes, he's got... Uh, I mean, the only thing I'll say about it is that he does have a grid penalty for next... for the Austrian racing. So. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's slowly working his way towards a race ban at this point, but uh, we'll get to that in due course. We still haven't got through the sprint race yet. And what a sprint race it was. I mean, it was, it was, it was good stuff. It was, it was F3 level F2 and F2 kind of at its best. And I'm very happy that we got Jack Boone to win his first F2 victory. First time since 1997, we've had a do on the top of in the UK. And it was his dad last time, but not on four wheels. It was two because it was 500cc MotoGP. And his dad was there. He got a seer, which was extra nice. And when he came in into F2 for a couple of races at the end of last year after having a really strong F3 campaign, which against Helga is not too shabby. He was the only one who could do anything about it um, and did as bad a good job as he could hope for. So I'm glad that he finally got to get a win. And I honestly think he's he's got a potential. I mean, he's Alpine Academy. We were saying how strong their lineup is earlier. Um, and I heard that on a couple of the podcasts as well today. But it's a tricky thing of when you've got two drivers already decent in F1, when you've got someone like doing doing the goods, then um, I think he's got he's got to get an F1 seat at some point. And there's even more reason why we need a couple of teams on the grid. Yeah, a, a secondary Renault-powered team wouldn't go amiss, really, at this point, to really open up the doors, especially for Piastri and if doing... Have Alpine and Alpine. Alpine and Alpine or Alpinet or something. Um and just to give Piastri, and especially if Duan keeps up these performances, give them somewhere to go because he was dominating that field when he was out on track. It wasn't brilliant conditions on circuit. The light was low. It was getting a bit cold, so tyres were still it was tricky to keep warm within them, especially with brakes too. And obviously F2 doesn't have tyre blankets anymore. Uh, they're going out on cold tyres onto a cold, wet and greasy track as well. We'd had a huge amount of rain through Formula 1's qualifying. So it was a wet and greasy circuit with not a lot of rubber laid down. 
and he seemed in his element but he was not phased by anything that was going on ahead of him so i mean really good drive and i'm just realizing that frankly i haven't put him down as my winner if for my f2 winner but uh yeah honorable mention. Say, well, i'm gonna go, i'm gonna go on to the feature race because we can mention your winner in a minute and we can go back to the spin race then but it's also worth noting that um Fittipaldi got a third place in the spin race which is just great to see again it's the second podium of the year i think and it's just nice seeing your Fittipaldi there <laughs> Speaking of curbs, uh, not somewhere you wanted to be in an F2 car this week. Again, we keep sort of hinting at it. We mentioned it in the F1 podcast. Sausage curbs coming back with a vigour. Not satisfied with breaking Abby Eaton's back in W Series last year. They decided to try and kill Dennis Hauger and Roy Nassani, which we'll get to in due. Yeah, so the F2 feature race, really nice way to sit down and have breakfast and coffee on the Sunday morning with the F2 being, again, very F2, a good race, a lot of action on circuit. Um, Pretty tame at points. Weirdly tame, but I think that was just because of the standard of racing for the rest of the weekend. I mean, outside of F1... There was obviously all the feeder series, but then I was also watching the World Endurance Championship, IndyCar, and Formula E. So there was a lot going on, and any other weekend that feature race would have been decent, but the standard was just ridiculously high. But at the same time, it was nice to relatively have that breather, but at the same time, two drivers who didn't have that breather were Roy Nassani and Dennis Hauger, who had a bit of a coming together. I mean, Nassani's fault, and the stewards have reflected that in giving him a grid penalty and some penalty points. Um, but again, that argument of the Halo, great addition, because otherwise I'm pretty sure Nissani would be dead right now. I'm just going to be blunt about it. That was going for his head and that would not have been pretty. Um, and why do we kind of still have sausage curbs? Or why have we not had some kind of modification to them, at least so that we don't get that kind of launch? Because, I mean, we've seen that a couple of times in the last few years, if I'm Correctly, not just in F2, but in F1 as well. F1, I think in WEC as well, because there's famously sausage curbs on the chicane just before you go onto the pit lane for uh, Le Mans as well. And they are famous car breakers and known for being quite unsafe because all it does is just sort of spit you off those straight into the pit wall. They are not a safe feature to have on Formula One circuits. And yeah, just. Quite a shocking crash, really, and again, very fortunate for the drivers that they've got the halo system implemented on the cars at this point in time, because that would have not been a good result for Roy Nassani there. And um, yeah, terrible driving aside, you don't deserve the potential outcome from there. So uh, yeah, mm. yeah, it's possibly a wake up call for him on circuit. Uh, to again think potentially about his actions when it comes to running wide and pushing drivers offline, especially onto grass. But yeah, certainly I don't. It think... also brings the argument of he's been there for a while now, and it's sorry, I'll be harsh. It's not there. He's not there because of his driving ability. He's there because of the money he brings to the team. We've got another stroll. We've got another. I hate. I hesitate to say that if you could do well enough to be better, it took it no longer there. But it's, again, it's someone who, when you've got so many other talented drivers there, it's frustrating that you've got someone who is able to outstay their welcome a bit just because they bring a lot of cash into it. And if you love racing so much, go and go and be a customer driver in WEC or Elms or something where they don't mind as much. And it's, I don't want to say less competitive, but there's more room for pay drivers. 
yeah um, get the gt racer instead go do it over there but don't mm. don't do it in f2 where you're taking up a valuable seat so, so there's hard racing in this hard racing and this was a completely preventable incident if you'd just been a bit cooler about it so it was frustrating but what was not frustrating in the end was logan Sargent winning f2 at silverstone first american to win at silverstone in f2 and i quite like him he did well in f3 and he's just quietly been in the background of it and he's just doing rather nicely and it's it's very nice to see that and Cord Share in second with Lawson in third. I don't know how the heck Lawson got into third because there was just a lot going on towards the end there. But a bit like Perez in F1, he's like, how the hell are you? Where, where did you come from? Cord um, Share doing what he needs to do then, finishing above Drogovic because Drogovic did get some solid points over the weekend, but had a relatively quiet weekend. But both of them being consistent and keeping that championship fight going and Cord Share damage limitation because there's still a big gap to Drogovic. But it's uh, it's not all wrapped up just yet. And we could say that with um, Sergeant and Dewan winning respectively, they both jumped up a few places now. And with Boshong and Vips not scoring anything and Boshong potentially not coming back for Australia and Vips on his bad luck that he's having, they could be in it for, they could be making a, a late comeback there. I mean, as I say late comeback, we're only about halfway through the season, but it could be time that things got a bit more tasty there. So we potentially have going from a two-way to a four-way battle for the, for the title here, which would be rather lovely. Yeah, and obviously we don't really want to discount Deruvula either in that fight because he's got pace <laughs> he's about him, so I feel like I have already. Yeah, I mean, he's got pace on circuit. He was doing pretty well on track through the weekend. And again, he's been in the F1 for a little while. He's got the Red Bull backing. He's a good driver, very good driver by all accounts. And it, he, it goes back to what we say though a lot of the time. It's, it's all very well and good being a good driver. But if you want to be F1, you've got to be great. Yeah, you've got to be great and you've got to be memorable. And obviously, Drew, we completely forgot to mention in the F1 half of the podcast, we forgot to mention he had that McLaren test drive. You mentioned that in the previous... We mentioned it on the preview, but we didn't really mention it on the review. I didn't even catch how it went, really, to be particularly honest. I think it was... It went all right, I think, but again, everyone seemed happy with it, but I don't think there's much else to really look into on that one just because he's not going to join McLaren. I mean, if if Ricardo does leave F1, it's not going to be Deruvula that replaces him. Even though I'm not going to make that bold a prediction. So I feel like that's telling you everything you need to know there. But yes, yeah, I mean, again, don't discount it from the overall F2 fight. Decent driver, but again, he's got a long way to go to catch up with Porcher and Drogovic. And again, Drogovic... I feel like with, with, with Drogovic, he knew coming into this year that he was going to have to pull something out of the hat to keep himself in any kind of contention, especially as he's not in any driver academies. And Drogovic really needed that this year too. And so far, it's going fine. But as we've said, fine is not good enough. Fine is not good enough when there is potentially a five-way fight for that title coming on. And yeah, Drew it's, it's, it's one of those things people listening to this might think we're being harsh, but it's one of those also something where we probably get along with all of these drivers pretty well on a on a personal level, but this is work and you've got to deliver. Otherwise, it's bye-bye. And we're going to be very harsh on that. Yes, we are going And to even be- though Ellie Mae is in the dark right now, I can see her smirking like no one's business on that one. Yeah. Um, 
So do you want to move on to our winners and spinners, or do you want to cover a bit of what the hell has happened for F3? We'll go at a blinding pace through the winners and spinners, I think, for F2, because I think we've pretty much covered everything already. Logan Sargent's my winner. I just... It was a fist pump moment, and I very much I enjoyed that a lot. So I will let you go straight into your winner. Yeah, quite self-explanatory there with Logan Sargent. For me, uh, Aimu Iwasa, good drive across the weekend. I think we saw a podium for him Best as Japanese well. Japanese driver we saw this weekend. Yeah, by a long shot as well. Like, really performed quite strongly in the on the sort of Saturday. We had a podium for him on the Saturday, I think. And then a decent mm-hmm. drive again. Uh, yeah, different... Uh, drive again from on the Sunday. Again, impressive stuff, some good clean racing, really honing a solid race graph for him. Um, did also want to chuck in the shout out to Enzo Fittipaldi for also having a decent weekend, really finessing his race craft, my notes say. And uh, he's looking good out on track, actually. Wouldn't be surprised if he usurps the bigger Fittipaldi for an F1 seat at some point in the future. We've said it before. We've said it before. Um, yeah, on a less positive note, your Formula 2 spinner Olabasi, poor weekend, not an awful lot to say about it. I was looking through to see who I could choose my spinner because a lot of people had either a down-the-middle-of-the-road kind of weekend and or either had a really good one race and really bad, the other one didn't feel fair to you, but Olabasi just didn't. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just uh, he kind of needed something after Baku because of the stuff that was going on there and didn't go too well from there either, but... Didn't quite bounce back in the way you wanted to, and he's unlucky in Austria. Yeah, I mean, mine's along a similar tone, but this time again targeted at Roy Nassani for that. What I've put down in my notes as a stupid move on Dennis Hauger, uh, put them both in danger, and that's not something you want to see on a racetrack. Uh, he'd come into the weekend on the back foot after receiving a three place grid penalty in Baku, and now he's got a five place grid drop for the next event, which is Austria, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, SMH do better. In my final notes for uh, Nisani there. So anyway. that leads us nicely into Formula 3, which was very Formula 3 this weekend. I mean, the sprint race was very, 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 very nice. Um, Isaac Hadjar won that. It's his second win of the season, I think, at least. Um, and Victor Martin second, doing what he needs to do to keep his championship going, because it's his to lose, I think it's safe to say at this point. He had a decent year last year and now he's really, he's doing this two-season build-up that we know is common from some of the champions before him. So it's, it's he's doing everything he wants to do there and that's great. And then Ushijima in third with the last-minute switcheroo and that was just quite nice. It was, again, if we're comparing it to a two slightly, that is hard racing, but fair racing. That is how you do that without cocking it up so spectacularly. Um so yeah, sprint race was rather good. And I think it was in the sprint race as well that this happened. Shovenek and his teammate, whose name I've forgotten off the top of my head, but yes, I did see this. You shouldn't uh what's the one rule that you have not to do is go into the side of your teammate and definitely don't do it twice in the same crash. Um and Shovenek coming back to F3 because he's not been in it this season so far if memory is serving. He was there a bit last year, did all right, but clearly not, either didn't have the funds or just didn't have the performance. And uh, he's a, for a driver that wears glasses, he should have gone to Specsavers. Brutal, but yeah. Um, 
I missed out watching the sprint race of F3 because I was stuck in, annoyingly stuck in the traffic, getting into Silverstone on the shuttle bus from the car park and then completely missed the feature race as well. So I'm a little sort of flying blind here, just based off a few very scrappy... Yeah, races. essentially Chauvinek uh, coming round just before Hamilton Strait, I think. Hamilton Strait or Hangar Strait, I can't quite remember because it was also it's all such a blur this weekend at this point, but uh, came around a bit too keenly into the side, back backside of his teammate who then booped him and then he booped him back immediately and just took them both out and it was all just very silly. Um, just not, very chaotic. Uh, um, but Leclerc won the feature race, but it wasn't quite that straightforward and Zach was sort of an impressive pole position, managed to then finish in an equally impressive second place in what was a pretty damn good weekend for Williams Junior drivers if we look across all the feeder series. Um, shame he couldn't complete that trick for them and get the win like the other two did. But again, second place, very nicely done, and a Brit on the podium with Oliver Berman in third, another Brit on there. Great last few laps, kind of premonitioning what we were going to get in the F1 a little bit there with how close it was. And it was really, really quite good on that, on that front. So it was nice to see us over there. And all I'm saying is he had an interview with me a couple of rounds later. Does perfectly good in the race. I'm just gonna make let you all make those connections yourself. <clears throat> yeah. So, so that takes us nicely onto our three winners and spinners, which for me, as you will have just heard, is unsurprisingly Zach O'Sullivan. I think he's gonna be a future Williams driver. I think he's definitely got the potential there. I know it's very early doors because it's Formula Three and because we've got a very strong contender, Logan Sargent in F2. But you've got to say they are a driver academy that they've got some drivers, but not too many. They've, they've not done Mercedes and had too little, and they've not got Red Bull and got way too many. They may have just got it just right. And there is a potential Sergeant O'Sullivan lineup in their future. But yeah. also, shout out to Jack Crawford because he's been away because he's got uh, Crohn's disease, which isn't fun. And he came back and got points straight out of the box so very nicely done yes yeah and um with the williams whole sort of academy thing they've they've got all their drivers spread out across different series they're all progressing stepwise so they need to sort of work on freeing up a seat at f1 one year at a time which is quite good uh, nicely structured if Williams are doing anything right, it's their driver academy. Um, although speaking of people doing things right, Ollie Behrman, pretty good weekend for the guy actually out on track. So he was my F3 winner. Uh, some promising drives and a decent pickup in form. He's in a bit of a slump through the first part of the season, but yeah, some decent results this weekend, points across the board. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed he'll be able to carry that forwards to where's F3 racing next? Austria as well. As well. Another busy weekend ahead for us. Um, although not really a busy weekend for our spinners in F3, um, although a bit dizzying, if anything, for one. Yeah, I mean, I've already mentioned why Shovenek is my disappointment this weekend, so that speaks for itself. We didn't have a good spin race as we looked to, and future race was also just a bit down the toilet, so pretty, pretty quick flush on that one. Yeah, similar for me. I think I've, uh, in my notes I've written Toth and uh, just uninspiring race. Isn't, season isn't looking all that impressive. So uh, things could change. But uh, yeah, I think all eyes are on, already on the top of the field for F3 and uh, sort of a, a bit of a painful drive if you're anything but in the top eight or so, really. The one silver line is if you're at the back of the grid in F3 at Silverstone, you've got a hell of a nice launch 
off the back corner for the start of both races because it just looked phenomenal, which if you haven't seen, go and find the, the race highlights on YouTube or wherever else and just have a look at the very back of the grid because it looks like it looks like they're jumping the start, but I don't think they are. No, it's just because of simply the distance, it sort of looks quite mm. weird and funky, if anything. But yeah, there we go. That's a neat little point to end our Formula 2, Formula 3 section on. And what we will quickly do is introduce the third member of our podcast as we turn the spot. Reintroduce, I suppose. She's, she's been here silently lurking the entire time, but she's back. It's Ellie, then. I'm back. Hi, guys. He's back. And I set her up perfectly for a Daniel Ricciardo quote of I never left and she I never away. left. <laughs> yeah, she truly never did leave, but she's back in time to chat about W series. And of course, we had another W series round this weekend. Uh, as a podcast, we're actually in mixed feelings about this. Um, some of us think it was quite a dull round for W series, some of us think it was quite interesting but we'll start off with a bit of news from the w series paddock um go on mclaren are looking to get into w series because they're not in enough motorsport as it is already they've got an f1 team they've got an indycar team they've got a formula e team coming next year and they've got an extreme e team and they think you know what we're missing w series and you know what i'm all right with that they want, like Brown says, they want to have the first female F1 driver, and they do have precedence for this because Emma Gilmore became their first female driver at McLaren ever um, with her Extreme signing. And she's also a Kiwi, so worked quite nicely with the Bruce McLaren heritage there. So with Jamie Chadwick there, maybe there is a potential McLaren route for her if Williams aren't quick enough with helping her along the way. I don't... That if memory serves, there aren't any McLaren-associated drivers in F2 or F3, but at the same time, you could have someone like Marta Garcia, maybe Jamie Chadwick, if she's lured enough, if, if the money is there and um, if um, Caitlin Jenner is, is, look, is looking to help her get a bit further up the field, as she said she would, then maybe McLaren is the way to do that. And you kind of think if you're Zach Brown, that looks like quite a tempting offer that you would be putting on the table for her. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to reward McLaren for saying that they want a woman in their team. You think about all the motorsports series they're in. They've been around since 1963. It's taken them till 2022 to have a female driver. It's Ferrari have been around since 1950, and they still haven't even had. Uh, they've only just got one in the driver academy, one or two. So we can make that argument that the cows come from. Yeah, we can easily make it with them as well. I think it's it's just way overdue. Mm, definitely. So I didn't want to sound like criticizing you there, but it's just it's not just McLaren that are guilty of that. No, it's not just McLaren, and it's good that Zach Brown thinks, oh, actually, we we do need to give females more spotlight, but. They've taken long enough. Yeah. It doesn't want to be sort of damning with sort of false praise, but at the same time, at least they're doing something about it, I think is the key element to it. So it's yeah. at least... Thing is that you don't want to keep harping on about something that their team hasn't done, where like they've realised the error of their ways, essentially they've changed their mind. And that's a good thing. You don't want to just stay stubborn. Like, no, no, we're just going to plow straight on, there, on with this and just ignore everything. Yeah, so it's... 
it's good news in that regard. And again, good news for Jamie Chadwick. Uh, first win at her home Grand Prix, which is... The last thing she had to do. Yeah, she's ticked every every box on that list of sort of racing driver achievements, uh, but she's done it all in W Series, largely. So... Uh, Fourth straight win of the year. Yeah, finally treatment, finally time for her to move up to F3 or F2. Just F2 at the least. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems insane because it's it's obviously we're not anywhere near the end of the championship yet, but it just, her lead is, she, some really bad stuff needs to happen to Jamie if anyone else stands a chance there. And with how she's driving, it just makes it look so easy. And I think I still think that the cars need DRS or some kind of pass help system to, to make the racing a bit more exciting. But I think even if they'd had that this weekend, Emma and Abby in second and third would not have been able to get anywhere near Jamie. She just had she had a five second gap, I think, by the end. And that's just Jamie all over, I think, for you. Well, I think he had a five second gap almost really from the start. She just sort of dominated the whole weekend. Yeah, it was yeah. solid all round performance from and again. It was one of those sort of unflappable Jamie Chadwick performances where she just sort of gets in car, drives fast. Gets out job of car, job done. Yeah, and just look like I think the commentary team was saying as well. She doesn't even look like she's broken a sweat. She just looks like she's been on off for a Sunday drive. I think that's the thing. We've she's now reached a point where her driving talent exceeds the car she's in. Like she's reaching. It's the same as if you were to take Lewis Hamilton and stick him in an F three seat. It wouldn't take him very long at all to very quickly be outpacing an F three. Yeah, and all of a sudden you've got Jamie Chadwick doing that exact same example. Her talent and her ability is now exceeding the tools at her disposal. It's time to give us some bigger and better tools, I think. What's that, Jesse? Get rid of Vibs and put Jamie Chadwick in the car? Yes, I completely agree with you. Get rid of anyone that's floundering at the back of F2 and is simply just paying to be there. Come on. Where's all that money from keeping up with the Kardashians really going? It should be going into an F2 seat for Jamie Chadwick. Yeah, that's why uh, W Series or the FIA need to put some initiative in that if you win W Series, they'll give you an F3. If you don't have the funds for an F3 seat, they'll bankroll it for you. Because that's essentially what was in the way for Jamie to move up. It was the funding, which I still find ridiculous because how the heck does a double champion not have the funding or cannot get attract the funding to do that? And if she can't do it, then what chance did the other women have? Yeah. And she's obviously got Williams Driver Academy also supporting her through that as well. She's got her own driver sponsorships. She's not an unknown quantity. Money and just get her in F3, I mean, yeah. It's it's annoying that she's constantly sort of keeps being held back by this weird hurdle of all but the money and there's not a seat free. So yeah. But besides that, great weekend for Jamie Chadwick and um decent weekend again for Emma Kimmelainen and Abby Pulling. Um, again, really nice little tussle at the end, which a bit of a boop, but yeah. it kept things interesting. And to be fair, the place has got sort back over, so it was no harm done in the end. Yeah, no, they were both far enough ahead of the rest of the grid. Again, it was quite a sort of domineering performance from first, second, and third. They'd all sort of pulled quite well clear of the rest of the pack, and um, it meant that when 
Abby pulling sent it a bit hard on the brakes and sort of basically spun Kevin and There was enough space for them to swap places back to how they were to avoid any penalties. And I think, again, it's good sportsmanship. It shows that they have a, a good understanding of racing the way it works. Obviously, Emma we, we, saw, we saw that in F3 too, with, uh, sorry, in F3 rather with Leclerc and Sullivan. I think at one point they were switched around in one way and I think Leclerc gave it back to Sullivan because he didn't want to risk getting a penalty and it's that kind of rookie-ish drivers or junior drivers trying something out and it's not totally going to plan but knowing and being mature enough to know that okay I cocked up there I'm going to fix that and then I'll do it properly or try and do it properly yeah and I, well, I think it reflects nicely on Abby Pulling that she she can it very easily demonstrated that she knows not just the race craft and she's also willing to send it but she knows exactly how to drive when that doesn't quite go to plan and she's mature enough to show that and I think it, it reflects nicely on her for certain yeah you but you say rookies but we had it in F1 with Yuki so it happens to the best of us <laughs> it happens to them all and there's a nice statistic here in the notes uh, about W Series and their UK TV audience yeah, combined UK TV audience across Channel 4 and Sky of a million viewers, which made it the highest ever race audience in W Series history since its launch, and also means that W Series Race Weekend Silverstone was the most watched most sport event outside of F1 since 2014, which is a bit insane, because no offence to W Series, but it seems like Formula E should have that, because they've been on Channel 4 on and off, and then they've got on Channel 4 properly this year, and, okay, it's Silverstone, it's the British Grand Prix weekend, you've got that on your side, but it's still impressive, nonetheless, that you can outflank it, and there is other motorsport available on Channel 4, it's not just F1 highlights. So, good step in that direction, and I'm going to just say proof that they shouldn't have left Channel 4 in the first place. Yeah, it's certainly also shows that the audience and the interest in it is there and it also means that it's getting to this bigger audience that means it's meeting its sort of ambition and its goal of inspiring and motivating sort of generations of younger women to get into motorsport and show that there is this opportunity not just for sort of driving but for team leadership mechanics pit wall stuff and alpine is one of the ones that i'd sort of had noticed is surprising amount of female pit crew members and again it shouldn't be surprising but it's nice to see that there's that representation in there and i think it, mm. some of that can in the future be attributed to w series as the books balance a lot more and i mean i've, I've talked to a few of them now at this point the mechanics working on the, on the w series cars and it's interesting how many of them as well are trying to get into racing or have been racing as well alongside it because they see that they're gonna they potentially could get that support then because they know some people in w series there were even if they don't have perfect time they can at least have someone to demonstrate it and say to people i look at this or if they see someone that they think is worthy of it they can then either bring them in to show them the engineering side of it which is incredibly important as well and i feel like as much as WC promoting the drivers going for f1 you should have that for mechanics and the engineers and all the people working on the cars as well because it's all very good having women working on women's cars and W series, but that doesn't mean that's where it should stop either. Which brings us nicely onto our winners and spinners, which I'm just going to go straight into as I'm on my bit of monologue here, which I could have gone for the easy answer and said just, um, I was going to say just, Jamie Chadwick, but I'm saying Jessica Hawkins, because she's just had a right turnaround of a season in comparison to last year, and one of my favourite overtakes in the weekend was 
one of hers, which was on of all people, Abby Eaton, which uh, I'm sure that would have been an interesting conversation on the drive home for those two. Um, some nice hard racing between the two of them, and it was just just a lovely overtake, and that's what we're all here. Yeah, Jess Hawkins' form has really come on of late, and again, it's nice to have her get the chance to have like a proper racing series to develop that form and really showcase it. And obviously, she's got she sort of banged herself some ties with Aston Martin. So there's in TCR as well in, in the UK, which I mean, okay, it's it's not single well it's single seater unless she's on driving, but not single seater as such. But just getting that track time consistently, and it's obviously helping. Developing is what we always say is if you can get driving um, abilities in whatever medium you get, it helps when you transfer over to another one because you don't know what you've maybe learned that you can apply somewhere else. It just proves that there's these opportunities opening up for Jess Hawkins, courtesy potentially of W Series, but also it's now also going to be because of simply her ability on the racetrack, more beyond the case of there's this platform that she's on. It's She's extending beyond the platform. And I think that, again, proves the point that W Series is doing what it needs to do. Who is your winner, then, Mr. Jesse? My winner, uh, Emma Kimmelainen. She really impressed through qualifying. She looked absolutely hot on it pretty much from the off. And um, the pace was there. The one-lap pace was there. And again, her race pace was pretty strong. She managed to fend off the pretty feisty Abby pulling all the way through the race, right up until those sort of final few moments going into the Vale chicane. And... Yeah, she's made a good claim as to why she's still in the series, and she is a damned fine racer. And uh, I was thinking about this with Bytesco in 2019 being Jamie's main competition, and then Alice last year is Emma the next one to try and take it to Jamie as much as one possibly can with Jamie. I think Emma and Abby are the ones that are really going to be the ones that put the fight up against Jamie Chadwick this season, and. I think work together, not take each other out. Yeah, I think that's going to be what the case is. It's almost going to take two people to really take the fight to her, and uh, just going to have to see. But again, Chadwick's driving in another league at this point in time, and uh, she does look like yeah. Ellie May, your winner for this weekend W Series. I feel like we've swapped roles in that I'm going to be kind of particularly quite harsh. And I'm so, not enough <laughs> no one really I found this race was completely outstanding I mean pulling put in a great race I mean she's been consistent this whole season um and same with Emma Kimmelainen but neither of them brought the race to Chadwick and Chadwick ran off with it and I mean I could say that Chadwick is the winner because she was so dominant. But in some respects, I think where she was so dominant, she's kind of a, not a spinner, but that <laughs> the, she hasn't got anyone bringing the fight to her currently. And how is she meant to show that she can defend well if there is no one to fight with her? And it shows but to counter that. I'd just say that for the last two years, when she did have competition to fight against her, she saw them off pretty, pretty well, not easily, but she had to fight for it more than she's having to this year. Yeah, but it, the, the fact I get is, your point, yeah, that she shouldn't she shouldn't be in W series, she should be higher up. And well, again, it's, it's the thing of like you're saying, if if she was in F3 or something, you'd have that tangle between Kimberline and pulling B for the win, and just suddenly Fabian Robin and 
third would be then. And and that extra bit of spice and maybe you'd be saying this was the best race of the season. Yeah, and it's I don't want to say that she she might forget how to like properly race if she doesn't have anyone fighting her. And then when she then gets her opportunity in F3 or F2 and she suddenly has to fight everyone, she's going to be like, oh, hang on a minute. I've kind of not forgotten, but I haven't had this fight in a while. And then is she then going to sort of fall back a bit at the start of a season if she does get to be promoted up to F3 or F2? I think we're just going to have to start an undercover podcast go front the page to get her the budget so we can get her into F2 so we can make this all happen. Just if for nothing else, because Ellie May is turning to the dark side and she doesn't like it. <laughs> Speaking of turning to the dark side, or at least being a bit more critical, our spinners from the W Series race. Following on from Ellie May being harsher, wouldn't be a podcast appearance if I went a little bit. So I am going to say Bites Kibissa. Because just a bit of a meh race. I mean, she was there. I think she came fifth in the end. But again, there was just nothing really standing out there. And I know fifth is solid. It's points. It's good. But for a driver that was in championship contention with Jamie Chadwick in 2019, she had a bad season last year. Let's just call it what it was. So I was kind of hoping for a bit of a bounce back. But it just seems to be more of the same this year. There's just bland and it's it's I like her. it's again it's I, I keep feeling like I have to justify the fact that I like all these people personally but when it comes to the racing you are I've got to be professional about it on that side of things and it's just not good enough and it's it's a double-edged sword on the one hand because we want to see all these drivers succeed which is the whole point of it but at the same time if you're not delivering the goods at the same time it's not a charity case either you've still got to be good and it's kind of what we were saying earlier about the F2 and F3 drivers. We don't want you to be good to get into F1. We want you to be great. And if you're listening to this. This is my tough love motivation for you. So get on with it. Jesse, who is your spinner? Probably under a similar vein, really. Sarah Moore. I mean, I wanted to see a bit more. No pun intended there. Um, she's got some good form. It just needs to unlock a bit more and she just needs to find this additional pace to really get up there at the front of the grid a lot more often. Yeah, I've gone for Alice Powell because she kept having her times deleted in qualifying for exceeding track limits. She then fought her case with the FIA. The FIA said, okay, We'll give you back the one that was enough for third on the grid. Then on race, which I found quite amusing, by the way, because she was in fifth at that point and then got demoted to third. And I'm not entirely sure how that happened. Well, yeah, and then on the race start, stalled it, and then didn't catch up in time. So then got a 10 second stop go penalty. So then. I had to take that and fell down the order to be then last. And it's just, it wasn't that great of a weekend for her. Very hero to zero after winning at Silverstone last year. So not what she would have wanted at all. But silver lining, and it's not the one she maybe wants, but she did have some very nice presenting on Channel 4's So there's that. 
Maybe she taught Abby Pudding a bit too well and she's just given her all her knowledge. Very unfortunate. Completely hands over her powers. Mm-hmm. Sith Lord style. There can only be two and now the, the apprentice has very much become the master. Before we go off on a completely Star Wars-based tangent, we probably ought to wrap up our uh, feeder series. I was hoping for a Jar Jar Binks impression, but Jesse disappoints. I didn't really want to open that can of worms. Of course, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, where you might have found this podcast. Alternatively, you might have found it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other locations, in which case, thank you. Give us a like, comment, and subscribe. So, uh, yeah, do that. Uh, Timo, where can the people find you when you're not encouraging Ellie Mae to chug her water like some sort of drinking game? Well, you can find me on The Curves, where I should have a new interview every Thursday without fault, hopefully. I should not have said that, but I know I've secured for quite a while, so I feel safe to say that this time. Find my articles over on Is It Fast, where I've got some interviews coming as well, because I just like chatting with people at the moment. And then you can also find some of my work over on Pilot Sorority and Superplante, Instagram and Tickety Talk. And Ellie May, we can find you. On the Undercut podcast with my key takeaways for F1 or on TikTok because we now have that. <laughs> Excellent stuff indeed. Well, yeah, you can find us all across the internet on different platforms. I keep forgetting to say we're also on Twitter. So if you like tweeting or shouting at us, go find the Undercut podcast on Twitter too. Thank you very much for listening. And we will be back for our Austrian Grand Prix preview. Uh, later on this week or potentially it's already out depends how you listen to these